This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. Every one of us, without exception, have our identity in someone or something. Even young children, they have their identity in their parents. And therefore, wherever is our identity, that's where we draw our sense of security, our confidence. Now, there are some people who see their identity in their title, wherever that may be, and that's where they have their confidence. There are others who see their confidence and their identity in their profession, whatever that profession may be. Some people see their identity tied to their net worth, and therefore everything about them is that in that identity. I'm sure by now you get the point. <laughs> I believe the Lord wants every one of us to begin to shift from seeing our identity in someone or something to seeing our identity only in Jesus. Why? Because He loves us so much. He loves us so much that He died on a cross for us. And He loves us so much that He knows that we can lose whatever it is that we have found our identity in, whether it's a profession or it's a name or it's in the title or whatever it may be. He loves us enough to know that any of these things can be lost. But our identity, when it is in Jesus and only in Jesus, it can never be lost. So, He uses all possible means And I mean that's the operative word, all possible means. Sometimes He uses people, sometimes He uses His Word, sometimes He uses the Holy Spirit directly. He uses all possible means to bring the children whom He loves so dearly to shift or to exchange whatever their identity may be in to be in Jesus and only in Jesus. Why do you think the New Testament writers… When they're introducing themselves, they don't give their credentials. Paul, great scholar, studied under the best of them all, Galileo, and has been in this and has done this and has accomplished that, and he's… No. Or Jude, the very reverend or the most reverend Jude, who is the half-brother of Jesus. No, no, no. They all start by saying, Whatever the name is, Paul, Peter, John, Jude, James, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's where they found their identity, their true identity. The clearest picture of this identity transformation is found in the life and in the writings of the Apostle Peter. Because God had a wonderful plan for Peter's life, just as he has a wonderful plan for every one of your lives. God began in Peter's life to make shifts, to make identity transformation. Question, shifted from where to where, from whatever it may be, 
whether it is your achievements or whether it is your business savvy or it is your strength or it's your outward appearance, whether it is the pride of race or pride of place, whatever it is, where the strength of your identity is, the Lord will want to shift it. He wants to transform it from being tied to that thing to being tied with Jesus and only Jesus. And Jesus will do whatever it takes. If you're a child of God, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, if you claim Jesus as your Savior and Lord and God is your Father, He's going to do whatever it takes. He's going to keep doing it how long it takes to transform your identity. That's how much He loves you. Needless to say, take it from me, the quicker the better. (laughs) Amen? The quicker the better. I think everybody, just about everybody, knows where identity lays. If you take a moment and you think about it, you know. Only you know. But if there's someone here who says, well, I'm not really sure where my identity lay, and therefore my confidence is, and, uh, and so forth, he said, if you're not sure about where your identity is, if you don't know what I'm talking about, be patient with me. By the end of the message, you will, okay? <laughs> you will. I was thinking about this identity, and I remembered a friend of mine from Dallas, Texas, told me this story. It's a true story from his life. This was about 30 years ago. I heard about the the grandmother was having memory problems, and so he's been away. He hasn't seen her in a long time, and then he came home to Dallas to visit the family, and uh, the, the family by that time had put the grandma in a nursing home. And so he wasn't sure about where her memory is, and so he goes to visit her, and and he goes to her room, and he looks very close, face-to-face almost, and he says, do you know who I am? She said, if you go to the front desk, they'll tell you who you are. (laughs) 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 Like the man who had identity crisis, and he he, he'd been seeing a psychiatrist for about a year, and, and finally at the end of a year, the psychiatrist announced the good news. He said, congratulations, you're cured. And the man said, what a cure that is, because before I saw you, I was Bonaparte. Now I'm another nobody. <laughs> Let me testify to you about the painful joy. Yes, you heard me right. You didn't mishear me. The painful joy, I just coined a phrase, <laughs> because it is absolutely true in my life. I testified about the painful joy that I have experienced when God began to strip me of many of my false sense of securities, and how He did it so lovingly, so graciously, so gently, and yet so definitively that He began, and He continues, because He's going to keep going until I see Him face to face in heaven, how He began and continues to transform my identity, and therefore my confidence to Him and in Him and in Him alone. Here's the one thing that I can tell you about God's transforming power of our identity. Whatever He strips out of you, He will replace it with something far more stupendous than you ever thought possible. Whatever He gives you is going to be far greater than what He removes out of your life. Whenever you place your whole identity in Jesus, it is far superior 
than all the mirages of our identities. St. Peter is a rich study of this all-important aspect of our Christian life. He was a man who found his identity in his self-confidence, in his self-adequacy, in his bravado, in his false pride and the bragging about things. These were his security blankets. These were the sources of his confidence. These were the essence of his reputation, and they were so important to him. But if Jesus was to use him to change the world as he did with all the other twelve, he had to do identity transformation in his mind and in his heart. Now, for us, even to begin to understand the first epistle of Peter, for us to even begin to comprehend how the Holy Spirit goes through Peter and through the pen of Peter and begin to write these magnificent words coming out of a heart of a man who had a transformed identity. For us to begin, we must understand the man and how he went through that transformation himself. I don't have to tell you this. Peter's name looms large in all the four Gospels, not just in the one that he's responsible for, which most people believe is Mark's Gospel, but all the four Gospels. Peter's name is mentioned more than any of the other disciples. Peter spoke more than all of the other disciples. Peter stood head and shoulder over and above all the other twelve Peter left us with a deep footprint, deeper than all of the twelve put together. And while John was introvert and meditative, and and Philip was phlegmatic, and, and Thomas was melancholy, Peter was sanguine, enthusiastic, and he would swing for the extremes from one end to the other. Oh, but the divine master, the Lord Jesus Christ saw potential in Peter just as he saw the potential in every one of the twelve. Please, 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 please listen to me. You would be making a colossal mistake if you think, because I am not her, I cannot be used of God, or because I don't have His gifts, I cannot be as effective for God and I can't do things for God, or because of this or I lack that, or I lack the other thing. I cannot be used of God. Listen to me. The twelves could not be more different than each other. They were very different from each other. And yet, God used every one of them equally, differently, but equally. And the only one, the only one who was not used of God and took his own life is the man who did not know how to repent of his sins. Think with me, just think with me. Betraying Jesus and denying Jesus are about the same. See, with God, sin is sin. Betraying Him or denying Him, they are equal sins in the sight of God. But the reason Peter, who denied Jesus, could preach the sermon in Judas' funeral is because Peter learned how to repent and Judas did not. Well, there are a few things you need to know about Peter. Peter was independent, self-centered, given to great exaggerations. Peter was the kind of man who walked in the door mouth first. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, 
He was expert on every subject. He really was. I mean, Peter was a man who would let you know very quickly how privileged you are to be in his presence. Peter reminds me of the guy who uh, went uh, duck hunting, and this guy was bragging. He never misses, never misses. I never miss. And I kept bragging, kept bragging. Just as he was bragging, a duck flew. And so he took aim and shot at it. But the duck went unscathed. Well, he was quiet for a moment, and then he turned to his friends and he said, My friend, you are witnessing a miracle. There goes a dead duck. (laughs) Look with me, please, very closely at Peter's life. And I don't want you to focus so much on Peter, but I want you to focus with me on the transforming power of God, the transforming power of Jesus in transforming Peter's identity. This is really what I want you to focus on Jesus, not so much Peter. What are the two areas in which Peter saw himself, saw his identity, and therefore his security blanket and his confidence? There were a number, but let me summarize them into two, just two, just for the purpose of our time here. The first one is the Sea of Galilee and fishing, a knowledge of the Sea of Galilee and a knowledge of fishing. That was his thing. That was his expertise. That's where his confidence is. The second one is his outward courage which is always an indication of hiding something inside. But I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) And here's what Jesus does. He hones in on those two things like a laser beam. He hones on those two things in Peter's life. And I want you to look with me at the consequences of what God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, began to do in this identity transformation. Chapter 1. It's not... Chapters in the Bible, there's chapters 1 in Peter's life. Chapter 1. They've been fishing all night. Think about this. This man is an expert. Fishing all night, catching nothing, not one. And there's no doubt in my mind that Peter was thinking, you know, that, that, that just couldn't happen to me, surely. I know fishing. I know this lake. These things just don't happen to Peter. And so he comes back in the morning bone-tired, bone-tired, and not a fish to show for it. And then he sees the crowd, and Jesus says to him, Peter, let's get in the water. I mean, in his mind, he's probably thinking, well, okay, I failed. I'm not used to failing, but I failed this time. Well, next time, I guess I'll do better. But Jesus made things worse. He really did when he asked him to go into the water in the middle of the day. And the sun is beaming on that lake. In the middle of the day, Jesus said, Okay, Peter, when you got to the middle, he said, Now throw your nets. <laughs> What's going on in Peter's mind? I'm embarrassed enough to be seen on the lake in the middle of the day, <laughs> let alone fishing in the middle of the day. There is no self respecting fisherman who would be seen fishing in the middle of the day. <laughs> Lord, I have a reputation to protect. I have a name to uphold. I have a dignity to guard. He probably was tempted to say, Lord, you don't understand. We dry our nets during the day. 
Little fishies go to sleep during the day. Have you ever been in that place? When you stood there and the Lord stripped you from the very thing that's been the source of your bragging. When your self-adequacy have been challenged. When you thought, I know more about this than anyone else. And here comes transformation number one. First step. But that's only the first They get there in the middle of the lake in the middle of the day, and they get more fish than they could handle. (laughs) Chapter 2. I already told you, as we saw here, Peter was born a leader. Listen to me. You must not misunderstand me. Jesus loves leadership. He loves our leadership abilities because He has given us the aptitude for our leadership. He gave it to us. He gave us the abilities, gave us the aptitude, he gave us the environment in which our leadership grows. He wants us to exercise it wherever we go because we are Christian leaders regardless of what our secular position says. Leadership was not Peter's problem. <laughs> Peter had a, a pride issue. Peter had a self-adequacy issue. And many of these problems needed to be replaced, needed to be transformed by His wonderful and stupendous things that only Jesus could give Him. And so the next encounter with Peter was where? On the lake, in the water, where his identity has been formed through the years, which was the first area that Jesus wanted to transform. And no sooner do the disciples get into the boat than a violent, raging storm start brewing. It got so bad that the boat was bobbing on the surface of the water like a cork. Obviously, this storm was not like anything they've ever experienced before. And so they panicked, and that's understandable. By the way, a lot of people are going to blame them. No, no, no. Don't blame them. It's understandable for them to panic. But guess who panicked the most? (laughs) was Peter. He not only panicked, he even doubted if the Lord cared for them. Probably what's going on in his mind is, man, I know this lake like the back of my hand. (laughs) I thought this is the area of my expertise. I thought this is the area of my strength. I thought this is the area of my self-adequacy. I thought this is the area of my self-confidence. And no one can deny any of that. But the Master was preparing him as he's preparing you. He really is. He's preparing every one of us to do great and mighty things for Him in the year to come. And so Jesus takes authority over the storm, and He stops it. And here's another layer of confidence begin to build in Peter's life. Confidence where? In the Lord. Chapter 3, Peter's identity began to be transformed. This time was about walking on water, not fishing, We got that worked out. He got that confidence built. And so Peter's confidence began to build in the Lord. If this is Jesus who's walking on water, surely if He says to me to come and walk on water, I know I could do it. If He said it, it can be done. My confidence in Him has grown to the point that I know I could do it if He commands it. And so the Lord says, come on, Peter, start walking on water. And he started walking on water, and all of a sudden, the old Peter came back and said, Hey, look at me, boys. I'm walking on water. <laughs> and he took a dive. 
And the cry was, Lord, save me. What's happening here? Peter began to trust in Christ's sufficiency, not his own sufficiency. He began, and it's another layer, which reminds me actually of a true story of a missionary in the late 1800s who was in Africa, and he wanted to go from one town to the other, and they said, you need to hire one of the experts, one of those trackers. They're they're guys who know how to get you there. They know all the paths. And so he hired this native guy, and, and so they're going through the bushes from one town to the next, and this guy was hacking his way with his machete through the bushes. And then after a while, the missionary began to panic. He, he really began to worry, and, and he said, where are the paths? And the expert said to him, he said, Bawana, <laughs> in this place there is no path. I am your path. <laughs> You see, in our walk with Jesus, He is the path. And He chooses to show it to you through His Word. How else would you know if you're not in the Word every day? Here's something that is absolutely true. And I know I can show it to you from the Scripture. You know how parents, when they're teaching their toddlers to walk, and they fall, and they stumble, and they get a gash, and they bleed, and they hurt and we hurt with them. We hurt for them. I am absolutely convinced that's how the Lord feels when we fall and stumble, when He's taking us through our identity transformation process. He hurts with us. Chapter 4. This has to do with the projection of self-confidence, which in reality, it covers up something inside. It's covering either fear or lack of courage on the inside, whatever it does. You know, when a person kind of constantly braggadocious about they're covering up something. Jesus was telling the disciples that He's about to be delivered to the hands of evil men, and He's going to be crucified, and He'll die on that cross, but He will rise again. But all that Peter hears is that Jesus, the miracle worker, must be down on Himself, and He needed Peter to pip Him up. in expressing his dismay over what Jesus had just said, caused the Lord Jesus to say something to Peter that is extremely hurtful. It is extremely hurtful. You see, Peter projecting himself as a courageous man is one of those two big problems, needed transformation. He projected himself. He's full of bravado. He's full of strength, while in reality he was not. And so he gets carried away, and he makes himself to be the protector of Jesus instead of the other way around. And what does Jesus do? He gives him the worst possible rebuke. Peter, you are the mouthpiece of Satan. Oh, the chief apostle. You're the mouthpiece of Satan. For this I came. For this I was born. In the same vein, in another instance, Jesus warns him as if to say to him, Peter, I am seeing straight through you. You don't have to pretend with me, Peter. You don't have to project a false image with me, Peter. Before dawn, you'll deny me three times. Peter does not deny Jesus to Pontius Pilate most powerful man on the earth at that time in Israel. He did not deny 
Jesus to the high priest or the Sanhedrin. He denies Jesus to what society at that time considered to be the lowest of law. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying society considered a slave girl. And he swears, I don't know him. And the Bible said something that, if you see my Bible, is underlined, because every year I go through the Bible, I underline it one more time. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter. That is why, after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Peter. If you read the account, it says, and to Peter. He appeared to Peter, as if to say to him, Peter, what I took away from you was to replace with far greater things. I exchanged your independence to dependence on me. I have exchanged your false courage for real courage. Peter, I have exchanged false confidence with real confidence in me. I have exchanged false adequacies with my all-sufficient adequacy. Finally, on the beach, right there at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, before Jesus was taken up to heaven. He asked Peter the all-important question, and you probably heard many sermons about this, but I'm going to give you the summary of it. What really Jesus saying is, Peter, do you really, really, really love me? That's really the bottom line. The old Peter would have said, Oh, Lord, you know I love you. I'll die for you. you cannot... No, no, no. I, 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 Lord. No, 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 no. He didn't. That's... See, the transformation began to take place in Peter's life. None of that. None of that. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know everything. Oh, on the day of Pentecost, that transformed Peter can stand up, and he preaches one sermon. 3,000 people give their life to Christ. That's the transformation that God wants to bring in every one of our lives. Let me tell you this as I conclude. Wherever you are today, and only you know, wherever you are, you know where you place your sense of security. You know where your identity is tied. What your security blanket is. Is it your reputation or your education? Is it in your wealth or wanting acceptance? Is it on your accomplishments, your intellect, whatever it may be? Only you know. And here's what the Lord wants from every one of us, beginning with yours truly, is that we exchange this for true acceptance by God, for true wealth, for true power, for true confidence, for true adequacies. Father God, the secrets of our hearts are known to you. The depths of our being are known to you. You know our thoughts before we think them. You know what motivates us. You know where we place our identity and our confidence. And therefore, we know we cannot fake it with you. And so we come to you in the name of Jesus, our Father. We ask you 
for those of us with whom the process of transformation has taken place, that you will continue until that great day. For those who have not begun, that today be the beginning of a transformed identity in Christ. For, Father, only you can do this. That is why we pray in confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 